I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bell here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. And on today's show, we're going to get into some questions, not necessarily from the listeners, uh, but that we have. Of course, the big question right now, uh, if you've been reading the news on the Ivy League that we talked about a little bit uh, last week, they're expected to announce a decision on what they'll be doing for football this fall and their other fall sports. Uh, so, of course, the big question is what's going to happen to college football uh, as we get into July and later July and close to August when things are supposed to start. Um, I know there's been a lot of talk about uh, different scenarios and, and spring football, things like that. So, of course, that's the big question that is on all of our minds. But, of course, there's a lot of other little questions that uh, we had in regards to college football and uh, specifically with Wisconsin Badgers. So on today's show, we're going to go through Matt and I kind of like a draft style and uh, pick our questions that we have for the team, uh, kind of bounce back and forth uh, on that, kind of the big pressing questions for Wisconsin before we get into, you know, your usual position previews, things like that, assuming everything is starting on time and things of that nature. And then uh, next week, we'll do it kind of more of a big picture uh, overall college football stuff. So. Uh, kind of some hypothetical questions, some things that we are looking to get answered, hopefully this college football season. Um, but it should be a good, fun conversation, a little bit different than what we've been doing, uh, similar to kind of the road trip last week. It'll be a little bit different format, but I think you guys will enjoy it. Matt, how are you doing today? Doing great. Uh, I think we're doing our best to try to keep it super positive here, that there will, in fact, be a season as, as things kind of are, are trending in all sorts of different ways. But overall, doing well, uh, trying to, trying to, like I said, keep it positive still um, amidst kind of some of the doom and gloom that's going on around COVID. It, you know, I know we're going to talk a little bit about the, the game uh, at Wrigley that was just kind of postponed. So a lot of, a lot of moving pieces to kind of cipher through, and I think that really this month is going to be pivotal as we move forward uh, and people respond to uh, coronavirus. Uh, how are you doing today? I'm good, good. Yeah, the the big news of the day was definitely the disappointing part of the day is that uh, the Badgers' trip to Wrigley Field to take on Northwestern is no longer going to be happening. So that'll be kind of our one brief news thing that we'll hit on uh, before we get into our uh, episode here. And that one was definitely disappointing to see. Not all that surprising uh, when you consider the logistics that probably go. You know, it's one thing to go play a game at Lambeau Field in Green Bay. You've got a football field. Uh, you've you've already got that set uh, to try and set up a football field in a baseball stadium. 
uh, like Wrigley Field, is probably more of a challenge and in the midst of a pandemic trying to do that as well. Uh, so it makes sense. It's definitely disappointing. I was actually looking forward to uh, – I was going to buy tickets to that game and go down there for that one just because it would be so cool to see Wisconsin uh, play at Wrigley Field. Uh, but unfortunately that's not going to happen. Likely means a – sleepy trip to Evanston for the Badgers team, assuming everything uh, goes off without a hitch, but definitely disappointing. Uh, I think it would have been a really cool venue and and thing to see, but still hopefully there will be football and it will still be a game at Northwestern, and I'm guessing down the road uh, Northwestern will reschedule a game like that. Hopefully it's the Badgers for Wisconsin fans, because I know I think uh, I speak for a lot of people that, you know, people were looking forward to getting to that and, and seeing the Badgers in such a cool venue. Yeah, I mean, I know for me, we put in for, for that game as well for tickets. It's it's unfortunate that it's not going to be happening. Uh, I, I think Ryan Field is is just a real a real slap in the face when you compare it to Wrigley. It, it is kind of a house of horrors for the Badgers here recently. I know they kind of exercised the demon uh, a little bit in 2016 when they won, but but really they've lost five times since 2013. There, it's it's not a place that's super friendly. It's I mean, assuming the games go off this season, it won't be too much different because there's a lack of fans anyways and a lack of excitement around it. But it's it's definitely having been to Wrigley before uh, for a baseball game. I was excited to see what it would look like with with football going on, and I, I just. It's one of those things where that's that was a cool experience for not only the athletes to take place in, but also the fans. But uh, I also get the sentiment and the decision behind it, as there's really going to be, like I said, so many moving pieces uh, amidst co- coronavirus with, with baseball going on and trying to um, squeeze in games in that area as well. You're probably not going to have a time where it's going to necessarily perfectly align with the Cubs. So I think I get it. It's just unfortunate, like we both know, and it would have been a fun game to go to and and uh, kind of party at. Yeah, most definitely. It's going to be a disappointing one. I think a lot of Badger fans were probably looking forward to that, especially if you're Wisconsin uh, and a Cubs fan. I, that's not me, I don't believe, and that's not Matt. But if you were that, it would be even cooler for you. But uh, just a disappointing uh, end to that game. Hopefully down the road uh, the Badgers will be able to get back to that because I know it's probably been a few years. I know what Nor- Illinois and Northwestern played at Wrigley a few years ago. I don't remember the exact year, and I know they were in talks to have a Wrigley Field Bowl game uh, in the future, but uh, for right now that's going to be all put on hold. But hopefully the Badgers can get there soon and uh, Badger fans can get down there once everything uh, gets back to normal. But All right, yeah, so I- hop into our – oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, Illinois and Northwestern played back in 2010, and I know that those two are, are going to be doing like kind of a Wrigleyville Classic the next uh, few seasons in 2022 and 2024. But I, I think just the those type of venues that are older, a little bit more majestic, are always fun to, to get to and, and see. And, and just uh, as, as a uh, follower of Badger Athletics, I think it would just would have been nice to not have to go to Ryan Field. <laughs> Self-definitely. <laughs> Most definitely. That uh, that place can be a nightmare for, for Badger fans and players alike. Uh, usually you get off the bus and everybody's uh, still kind of sleeping. So that one was, at least for me, when you look at the schedule, you you know, always panic about at Northwestern, but maybe you thought the energy will be a little bit higher at Wrigley Field. That's no longer going to be the case. So uh, definitely a more concerning uh, game for the Badgers when they have to go to Ryan Field because it always seems like a trap game uh, a little bit in that destination. 
All right, let's hop into our hypotheticals now. So like we mentioned at the beginning of the show, guys, we're going to kind of go back and forth uh, and just list off some of our questions that we have for the Wisconsin football team. Our next episode, we'll do it for college football as a whole, kind of the questions and storylines that we're looking to have answered as we get into the season. Of course, like Matt said, we're both trying to keep it positive. We're assuming that there is going to be a normal season. Uh, so this, of course, would change if something like that changes. But until we hear otherwise, uh, we're trucking on with, with college football being uh, being in the forefront and, and being something that we're going to watch this fall. So, Matt, I'll go ahead and kick it to you. I'll let you go with your first question. What are the, one of the questions that you have uh, for the Wisconsin football team this fall? All right. I, thanks for uh, giving me that first <laughs> pick. Uh, we'll see kind of how much we have some overlap with ours. But uh, for me, I, I this was an area that has made me kind of lose more hair than anything else, and, and I'm already losing it as is naturally. But is Wisconsin going to be able to improve in kind of the punting and kicking game? That's something that has, has been on the forefront of a fad's minds for a while here. There, you know, the, the days of having a guy like Kevin Stemke are kind of gone. The Badgers haven't really been doing well with their punting game. Uh, kickoffs, last year Zach Hintz was a stud. Uh, he's gone. You know, will Colin Larsha or whoever uh, wins that kickoff specialist job carry on the momentum? I think that's a tall task. But really the, the place kicking and punting games, in, in my eyes, need to be better. And hopefully they can do that. Last year, Larsh was... 12 of 18, you know, 66%. But but the real problem was that he was only 5 of 11 when you kind of went past that threshold of 30 yards. And, and that, that needs to improve, especially for the Big Ten. You look at Wisconsin, they lost two, like, damn one-point games against Illinois and Oregon, and in each of those games they missed a field goal. That's, that's just uh, one of the different pieces that – are so crucial in a game, and it's a, such a overlooked facet of the game, often the special teams units. But punting and kicking can really swing games. And, and then the, the other one was punting. You know, the, we, we've talked about it at nauseum about the two dropped punts. Those were huge momentum swing moments in really the two biggest games of the entire season. Maybe Andy Vujnovic is the answer if he can get his waiver approved, but is it is it somebody else that steps up if he if he doesn't get his waiver approved? So I, I think that was to me like with within the Badger program, there's a lot of questions surrounding the football program, but improving the punting and kicking game, will that happen? Is is number one for me highlighted in red? Everything for in my book. Yeah, I mean, you bring up a good point uh, with that one. That was actually one of the questions I didn't even write down because I had a very good feeling that uh, yours would be one of those questions because I know that we've talked about the kicking and punting game a lot, and that can be one that is infuriating to all Badger fans. And so I didn't write that one down because I had a feeling that uh, it would be one of yours. I didn't want to overlap, but definitely uh, something that the Badgers will need to improve on uh, this season. You know, you can't. You can't have the kicking woes that they did. You know, Colin Larsh, I think, was 12 of 18 last year. And then, of course, uh, the two botched punts, uh, of course, stick out in everybody's mind. So definitely something that the Badgers are going to have to improve on uh, as they get into next season. I want to go to go with. And I think uh, the one that I really want to start with, uh, it has to do with Paul Chris and the coaching staff. And I 
I really wanted to I want to know which Paul Chris we're going to get in 2020. Um, of course, last year you saw ebbs and flows of the aggressive Paul Christ and the conservative Paul Christ, but this year you don't have Jonathan Taylor. You've got uh, you know no Quintez Cephas. So is there going to be a change in the coaching staff where they're aggressive again, or is it going to go back to a more conservative game plan? Because I know he's gotten some flack for that in the past for being too conservative. Uh, I, I sometimes argue with that and saying, well, he's got a good defense, so maybe it plays to be conservative, and he'll have that this year. Uh, but I'm just, I'm, I'm interested to see which Paul Chris will get in 2020. Is kind of the question uh, that I first thought of as a good kind of starting point for this team. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Just when you look at what they did, you, uh, that Michigan game really jumps out to me. The Badgers mm-hmm. just absolutely smacked Michigan in the mouth and and went for it on that fourth down right away in their own territory and, and got it, and it just set the tone for the entire game. You saw Paul Chris trust his defense and go with, uh, you know, taking the ball right away in every game that he could last year. Will we see that? I think that's a, a really good point. I like that one. It was not one that I came up with either, so so far so good. There we go. All right, you're on the clock for number two. What do you got for questions? Um, similarly, in terms of just more of a, a broader look at it, is what does the offensive run-pass splits look like in 2020 with without JT? So, obviously, the Badgers lose a couple really talented pass catchers, A.J. Taylor, Quintez Cephas, but and then you also lose your, your best running back as Jonathan Taylor, one of the best running backs in, in program history, college football history, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm I'm really interested to see kind of what the Badgers do. Do they kind of put more on Jack Cohn's shoulders in in his second year as a the cut, cut and cut uh, passer and the, the number one no doubt starter, or does uh, you do we see kind of Wisconsin try to you know ground and pound teams to death with uh, a stable of running backs. So I think Wisconsin will probably be a little bit more balanced just because you don't have the workhorse like Jonathan Taylor. Instead, you might have to lean on some of your your senior wide receivers, your your stud tight end, and and Jack Cohn a little bit more. So I'm I'm interested to see if it's a little closer to 50-50 or if it, if it maybe does tilt one way or the other based off of how things are going uh, early in the season. Yeah, that'll be an interesting one to, to definitely pay attention to. I think uh, in terms, I think we both have kind of agreed that it might be closer to 50-50. You might see more passing opportunities. Uh, maybe have to do a little bit more with, with more different guys versus relying on you know your your valuable receivers that have both departed in, in Taylor and Cephas and then really run, you know leaning on your star, you know, college football legend uh, in Jonathan Taylor. So I think it's going to be a little bit more balanced, but that's going to be definitely something to watch for, uh, especially like you mentioned early in the season. Uh, do things start clicking right away or do they are they slow out of the gate and, and maybe they need to change things up? I, I like that one uh, in terms of where where the offense is going to be because, of course, we could ask, you know, which running back is going to get the most carries, things like that, and that, that's a great question, but at the same time, it's going to be a little bit more big picture than that. And, and are they going to throw up more? Are they going to rely on certain guys more? Uh, I think that's a great question to, uh, to certainly uh, look into as we get into the, the midpoint of the season. It will be interesting to see how it starts with a couple of these games that, uh, you know, even, you know, Indiana isn't a game that you can, you can come out slowly. So you're going to have to be ready to go right out of the gate. So it's going to be interesting to see the offensive game plan 
uh, to start. They don't really have the ability to kind of feel it out against a lesser opponent like they kind of had last year. All right, my number two. I think kind of going off of that, and I, I think this will be an interesting one to ask, uh, my second question for this Badgers team is how long of a leash will the quarterback position have? Now, before I get into this, I'll preface by saying I like Jack Cohn. I think he's a good quarterback. I think he's he's did a great job last year. I think a lot of the plaque that he gets uh, is somewhat unfair. You know, two for 2,800 yards and 18 touchdowns, only five interceptions. I'll take that uh, most seasons. But there's going to be a game next year, and I don't know which one it will be on that schedule. But there's going to be a game where the the offense isn't clicking, things aren't moving, things aren't working. How long of a leash does Wisconsin go with before all of a sudden, you know, you think a few, a few years ago that Florida Atlantic game, Alex Hornibrook came in, gave a spark. Are we going to see something like that this season with Jack Cohn? You know, that there's games on the schedule that are going to be a little funky. You know what's going to happen. Every year there's a Badger game where the offense just doesn't click. And, and people say, well, we need to do something different. I think that'll definitely happen this year. But how long of a leash do you give Jack Cohn? Because he is a senior quarterback. He's proven. Uh, but this year you don't have that red shirt kind of protecting Graham Merch from not being thrown in there. So I'm going to be interested to see. I, I, I think we know how the quarterback position is going to start. I think Jack Cohn's going to be the starter. I think he'll do a good job. But I think uh, when you go to the bullpen, so to speak, is going to be an interesting uh, storyline for Badger fans to watch. All right, so like, kind of throwing it back at you. If you have, if you're putting your Craig Council bullpen <laughs> hat on here, you know, you're the you're the manager. You've got to make the decision of when you when you do go to the bullpen if you need to. How how long is the leash that you're giving Jack Cohn based off of what you know about him? Yeah, that's that's what I'm struggling to figure out. I mean, you look at the schedule. I think. It, it, I don't think it would be, you know, immediate. I don't think, say, if you went at Michigan and you were struggling uh, to score points, I don't think you would see a change like that uh, right away. Uh, some people would say, well, if it's not working, fix it. I think after, you know, if you lose a game, let's say you go to Michigan, uh, you, you know, like the last trip to Ann Arbor, Badgers, I think, lost 17-9 to or some low-scoring game. Offense didn't click very well. Uh, that would have been two trips ago, the last trip they got blown out. Two trips ago there. Offense didn't work. If you lose that game and then you come back uh, against Notre Dame and the things are struggling, you get it's a must-win game, so to speak, and you need a change. I think that's when you'll see something like that. I don't think it'll happen uh, before you know a loss is on the record. So I would think if you if you lose a game that you're not supposed to or lose a game early, things aren't clicking the following week. I then then I think they maybe then you could see it, but until then, I, I think it's going to be Jack Cohn's job and and until we really see some big struggles uh, consistently, you know, back-to-back weeks uh, as before I would make a change. What about yourself? What do you think? I, I think that makes a lot of sense. I, I think if you look at uh, kind of how things went with the Badgers with, like, Scott Kavanaugh uh, prior to, to giving way to the younger, uh, more talented quarterback, I think that makes a lot of sense uh, back in the day for the Badgers. I think I – think that the Badgers are going to be in uh, a good spot. I think that they're going to be okay, but I, but I, I wanted to see which, where you thought might be the line that you might mm-hmm. have to cross in order to pull that. So I like that, and I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch for sure. You know, when, if, you know, hopefully it doesn't get to that point. Of course, I think we both like Jack Cohn. We like what he brings to our game, but 
Uh, eventually there's going to be a game where something isn't clicking or if you lose a game. Uh, it's going to be an interesting conversation that the Badgers are going to be kind of forced to have if it happens because you can't say, well, you know, Graham Mertz is redshirted, so we're not going to put him in there. Now he's he's full bore, so that situation could arise and some of the coaching staff is definitely going to have to answer. All right, I'll kick it over to you for uh, your third question. What uh, what else do you got on your list? So I've got I've got quite a few, but at the same time, kind of keeping it in that same vein because you had brought up the Michigan game, I actually have two games circled on the schedule that I think are the most important games of the entire schedule. And I think they're at Michigan and they're at Iowa to end the year. Um, I know a lot of fans are going to be pointing towards that Notre Dame game, which is I think is going to be huge. You've got some other games, such as the home games against Indiana, like you mentioned, against Minnesota, um, now at Northwestern, that are also going to be potential stumbling blocks. But I look at, at Michigan and at Iowa as the two major marquee games that they've got to win. Those are the games that if you're wanting to be in the thick of things at the end of the season to have a shot at being a playoff contender or a, a team that's going to be looking to win the Big Ten uh, West and get into that championship game with a chance to possibly spoil things in the playoffs, those are the games you got to win, and they're two tough environments. Kinnick uh, is is so much fun to go to. It's it's like like Madison in terms of the atmosphere. It's electric. Uh, but the Badgers have done fairly well at Kinnick here lately in, in being able to win there. We we look back to that game in 2018 uh, when the Badgers were able to to take them down. Uh, that was that was a really tough, hard fought game that the Badgers had to have a couple breaks to really win it. Uh, I think you know you look at this past year they won barely at home, and I think. You look at that game against Michigan, and Wisconsin's probably got a, a bad taste in their mouth after getting the, the doors blown off from Michigan uh, two years ago. So I think those are games that the Badgers, if you want to be in in the end of the season walking the walk, you've got to be able to, to take down those teams, and those are the two games that I look at as the most important on the entire season. Yeah, that's a good one. I actually had that. I, I was going to ask, you know, which game uh, was the most important on the schedule. So that's good that you brought that up because uh, that was one that I was going to think about asking. And I think I have to agree with you. I know everybody looks at, like you said, the Notre Dame game. And, of course, that'll be a great game, interesting to watch, two really cool programs uh, in a cool environment. Uh, but in terms of Big Ten standings, that game doesn't mean as much because, of course, it's a non-conference game. You can lose a non-conference game, still get to the Big Ten championship, uh, and still, if you knocked off the mighty Ohio State, uh, you know, could get into a college football playoff scenario. I'm not saying that that's going to happen, but there, there are paths if you lose a non-conference game versus you lose a conference game. It makes it that much more important. So I would agree with you. I think those two are going to be the most important when you look at uh, the way the schedule kind of breaks out. That at Michigan game uh, is always tough, and at Kinnick, despite Wisconsin's success going on there in the road, it's going to be a little bit different later in the season. Uh, so I'll be interested to see how that one goes as well, but I would agree with you. I think those are going to be the two mo- most important contests uh, for the Badgers in this 2020 season. All right, my next question kind of goes off of that because uh, it is about the schedule, and I know, of course, those two games and the Notre Dame games are the games that you look at and think, okay, those are huge games, important. Obviously, they're all important and, and winnable, but 
which game to me and and fans, which game looks like the quote-unquote trap game? Because there's one every season. Uh, I think the one that I see right now, that November 14th trip to Purdue, uh, always makes me concerned. And then when you've got uh, now a trip, uh, that would be back-to-back week. So at Northwestern and then at Purdue. Uh, one of those two games gives me a little hesitation. Uh, it did already when you were going to Wrigley, but now when you're going to Evanston, uh, those two games in back-to-back weeks is going to be uh, a concerning one. So which game is going to be the quote-unquote trap game that they have to survive? You know, you look at, at Illinois last year, a game that they shouldn't have lost and ended up doing it. Which game is going to pop up and be the one that the Badgers kind of uh, struggle in and have to, you know, get to fight themselves off the rope to survive because there's a few different games where the schedule looks out, but I think right now those two on paper look like to be be the one that could be concerning. Yeah, I like that. Those are those are going to be tough games. I think the Badgers have a, a really tough schedule this year when you really look at it uh, in, in terms of kind of some of their splits with, with road games, and then you, you add in kind of the uncertainty surrounding coronavirus and it, it makes uh, it, things going to be it's going to be a tough year for them I think they definitely have the talent to to rise above it and maybe they don't have one of those trap games this year this year I think that would go a long way in making sure that the Badgers end up in Indianapolis but but you never know we've, we've seen it far too often that those types of games do happen no matter the team Ohio State lost multiple times uh, in, in kind of those trap game situations so it, it's not uncalled or uh out of the question here for the Badgers or anyone, really. Yeah, exactly, and that's what it, it seems like. There's one a year for Wisconsin, so hopefully that doesn't uh, you know happen to be the case, but there's always a game that you go through on, on each team. So I've got my Athlon magazine here, and you go through and you kind of look at every team's schedule, and you go, oh, that could be one of concern, and that uh, Purdue and now North, at Northwestern at Purdue definitely jumped out at me, but there's going to be one for each team kind of at some point where you've got to survive some punches in a – I think for the Badgers, where that will be will be indicative of kind of how their season goes. All right, I'll kick it back over to you for your next one. Well, but first, on your Athlon magazine, does do you yeah. have the one with Jack Sanborn on the cover? I do, I do. I just got it in the mail the other day. I was uh, didn't I, I wanted to go in store and find it. And I couldn't find that one with the exact cover, so I finally got the uh, the Sanborn one on the cover. Is that what you got? Yeah, I've got it too. It's one of those things where no matter which way you are looking at it, he's staring at you, and it's kind of creepy. But um, but at the same time, yeah, it's uh, that's the one I got too. But um, kind of looking uh, towards kind of more of a nitty gritty question than overall big picture. My next question are are the young tight ends ready? Um, the Badgers had a lot of kind of moving pieces last year at the tight end position just because you saw so many injuries early on. You had Jake Ferguson playing with a, a basically a broken thumb, dealing with uh, ligament damage in his thumb. And and then you had guys like Xander Neville coming back and then not being there. You had Gabe Lloyd up for the year. You had uh, just so many different things happening in that position room that Mickey Turner had to try to balance and the Badgers really weren't able to utilize um, as much of their 12, 22, and 23 personnel uh, as as normal. So I, I think if one of those guys, or a couple, because I think Gabe Lloyd is is he's not necessarily young. He's a, he's an upperclassman who's who's been through the ropes and has helped them out before um, as a walk on. Is also a guy to watch. But can they 
trust the tight ends behind Jake Ferguson so that they can have uh, two tight ends on the field um, and, God, really get the, the heart pounding with some three tight end sets um, that we haven't seen in a while and not have to utilize uh, offensive linemen. I think that would go a long way in really making the Badger offense more multiple, allow them to, to scheme some more and really make that passing attack even a little bit better um, in addition to the running game. So you, you, you've always seen some of the, the fun stuff that the Badgers can concoct with, with tight ends in there. You know, the Owen Daniels uh, bubble screen is one of my favorite things in the world. It's a thing of beauty when it works. So I, I think the more that those guys can show in fall camp that they are ready will make the Badger offense so much more better because they were limited at times last year in, in what they could do personnel-wise. So I think that's a question that I have is, are those guys, is that room ready to step up and really prove to be people that they can trust and bodies that they can have out there and know that they're going to get the job done? Yeah, that's a great question, and that's one I've got to cross off uh, because I actually I had the similar one. Which tight end plays alongside Jake Ferguson? So kind of going off the the, the same you know, wavelength that way, and I, I totally agree. You know, you look at the tight end room last year uh, and Wisconsin teams of years past, they like to be able to use at least two, and last year you really couldn't do that uh, unless it was an obvious, you know, kind of running down. Uh, I think the Badgers this year will hopefully have – uh, you know, more guys that they can go to. Of course, last year you had Ferguson and then you had Eschenbach kind of just filling on, uh, filling in and, and taking up space and allowing uh, the Badgers to try and do something. But this year you'll have Lloyd back. But then you've got that young group, uh, Rucci, Condiff, guys that haven't really seen much of the field. Uh, and then you've got the incoming guys, you know, Cam Large, Cole Dokovich, guys like that. Uh, but are they ready? And with this shortened, uh, you can, you know, with the shortened season, you can kind of have you're gonna have trouble getting you know freshmen like that on the field. So, which guys are ready? Which guys step up uh, at that tight end room is gonna be fascinating because it's a completely different room this year than it was a year ago. Uh, when you look at you know the the injuries that they battled, now all of a sudden you've got five six guys that if they're ready can make a case. But it takes a lot for Joe Rudolph to trust you, Paul Chris to trust you, Mickey Rudolph to put you in a position to get out there. So. Uh, they're Mickey Turner, excuse me. So I'm interested to see what, definitely what happens in that tight end room. I think that's an underrated position and storyline that uh, people want to pay attention to as we get into the beginning of the season. All right, my next one, let's see here. I was going to go with um, a little bit more uh, big picture on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, and you look at the defense right now, you've got returning guys on the defensive line. You've got a couple guys returning uh, at the linebacker position, and then you've got the secondary that looks pretty strong. But for me, I want to—I I just want to know for this defense, where will be the area of concern? And I feel like I'm being kind of a negative in terms of the questions. I've had a lot of where will the, the caution be? But, of course, you look at the defense, a lot of returning guys, guys that we really like. But at some point, I, you know, that's not going to say that I, I don't think the, the, the Badgers defense won't be great. I do think they will be. But what's going to be the area of concern for this defense in some way? Because you look at it on paper, it looks really strong, but eventually there's going to be games where things start to let up. You know, you saw that last season, despite, you know, being a top 10 defense, there were games that things kind of got ugly. You know, you think of the Nebraska game, the Purdue game, big plays, broken plays, just kind of despite a, a season long of a pretty good defense, 
there were some ugly situations uh, in, in a few games. So where will be the area of concern or the Achilles heel for this uh, defense is something that I'm, I'm closely going to be paying attention to because I think we've all raved about the defense and what's coming back, but eventually there's going to be a spot where we're going to be concerned, I think, uh, with this group. Yeah, I think I think that's a really good question. I think if you had to make you know a guess or an educated guess right now, it's probably their ability to to get after the quarterback at the outside linebacker position. Noah Brooks last year wasn't necessarily a guy that you leaned on as as a pass rusher. He's going to be carrying on a bigger load next year. And then you look at who's out at outside linebacker opposite him, and, and there's some, some major question marks. We aren't sure what that rotation is going to look like. That was actually one of my questions in general. I had two of them, is, is, who, is going to, um, who is going to be uh, in charge of getting to the quarterback? You know, we looked at last year, Zach Bond, Chris Orr did a lot of that. You saw Jack Sanborn as well. But I, I look at uh, – that outside linebacker position, that was another one of my questions, is who's, who's going to step up? So I think as of right now, I think that's the major question uh, that I think if you're going to poke holes in the defense, it's who's going to be opposite of Noah Burks and can that, that duo or the room in general at outside linebacker uh, do kind of create the production that those guys uh, had last year? So I think that's a really good question that you brought up. Yeah, definitely something that, you know, despite us both thinking the defense is going to be strong, you know, these are the things you got to look at and say, okay, well, if there's a, if there's a hole somewhere, where is it and, and how big of a, you know, problem will it be? So definitely something to pay attention to, uh, especially when you've got newer guys, you know, at those linebacker positions working in. Uh, thankfully, it's not, you know, you're not trying to work in true freshmen. All these guys have, have had experience and, and been on the field some, uh, but a lot of the guys that at that linebacker position, especially at the outside, are guys that have, have played modestly, uh, to put it lightly, but haven't played, you know, a full college football schedule. So definitely something to pay attention to uh, as we get into the season. All right, we're going to go ahead and get our ads out of the way quick here, guys, and then we'll get back into our questions. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, we've worked through a few questions already. We've got some left on the docket. So, Mac, uh, Matt, oh, Mac, called you Mac. I'll <laughs> go ahead and kick it back. I wish my you. name was Mac. That's way tighter. <laughs> um, but uh, I would I would say in kind of the same vein, you had talked about that they don't necessarily need a true freshman to step up at outside linebacker. It's, it's who are going to be those true freshmen that surprisingly contribute right away. Uh, we, we look at last year, Keanu Benton wasn't the guy that you looked at and were like, oh, yep, he's definitely going to be uh, the backup nose tackle. He's definitely going to be a kid that you could see becoming an all-Big Ten type player, and he did. And you look at the year before that, Jack Sanborn worked his way in the two, two deep, and or two years ago, Jack Sanborn worked his way in the two deep and was a starter last year. Then uh, Leo Chanel last year kind of, 
popped in there, immediately was in the two deep at inside linebacker and showed that, hey, I've got this, I can help. Uh, Danny Davis, a few years back, right away as a freshman, showed, yep, I'm, I'm going to be able to help you guys right away and, and did that. So who are those guys, who are those freshmen that, uh, that jump up and, and, and help uh, is, is a question that I'm excited to see because it's always um, great to see some of the young guys show right away that, hey, I'm going to be a player that the Badgers can trust early in their careers, and that, that's usually a good sign for later in their careers. Um, even a guy like Samar Melvin um, here recently, he, he was not a player that a lot of people thought was going to play a pivotal role, and he made some really big plays last year and showed, hey, I'm going to be a cornerback to monitor moving forward. Yeah, those are, those are all great points and, and great questions. You know, I think this young group has a, a couple different guys uh, that you could look for in terms of true freshmen to, to definitely get on the field. Is there a guy, if you had to put you know money down as to a, a true freshman that you think would make an impact, is there a guy that you really look for uh, that could be that guy, or is it just kind of a wait and see? Um, well, let's both give a couple names. Sure. I think for me it comes down to three guys that I'm particularly watching to see if they really are able to – to make a dent because there is an opening. It's just going to be a matter of if they can grab it. And that doesn't mean that there's only three because I think a guy like Jordan Turner or Malik Reed could easily get in the mix at inside linebacker. But but I think Nick Herbig at outside linebacker, really talented kid. He's already gotten some praise from from uh, the staff. Ross Kalaji specifically um, called him out as a guy who where he was surprised by just how big and physical he was. Chimray DK, I mean, Dude who's like played every single sport ever imaginable at his high school, and the Badgers need wide receivers. That was a question I had in mind talking about the receivers, and I think he's a kid who could um, immediately play. Wide receiver is a position you don't always develop. It's more of hey, you know, feet to the fire and, and let them go out there and play. You can do it easier. And then the other one is Jalen Berger, where you, Wisconsin has a lot of different guys who could be the bell cow of the running back room, but nobody's kind of shown that that beyond Jonathan Taylor, it's them. Could he step on campus and, and show John Settle, hey, give me the ball, I'm the best guy here. So I, I think those are three that I'm watching in terms of what they could do from a splash perspective. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think if there were three names that you were you know, leaders in the clubhouse in terms of favorites, I would say it would be those three. Uh, for the reasons, you know, exactly what you mentioned, uh, just from a, you know, skill position, you can you can sometimes get in there earlier on the field. You know, you look at the top two in, in Nelson and Wedig, you know, those are offensive linemen. Takes a lot to get used to Wisconsin's offense to learn that the whole nine yards. So guys like that, you know, and, you know couple with, look at the guys on the offensive line, upperclassmen, uh, you know, Cole Van Lannan and, and, you know, Seltzner, Beach, Bruss, a, a lot of guys that are uh, – you're pretty much entrenched as starters in some way that, that they would have to beat out to, to really get there, and uh, I don't see that happening. So it's more of those three guys and then those two on the skill positions, then Herbig, you know, just an athletic kid, uh, and the fact that there's a position a little bit more opening there is definitely one. And then I think the other two you mentioned, uh, you know, Malik Reed, Jordan Turner could definitely be guys that get in there. I think it would probably take – uh, you know, an in injury or something to get those guys in there or just, uh, you know, they come in and, and really wow somebody. But I think those guys are maybe fringe guys that could definitely uh, work their way uh, into the fold if they if they have an impressive camp and, and some things, uh, you know, happen that way. Yeah, the other, the other guy that I, I think 
maybe my favorite film to watch out of any of the 2020 prospects last year was Devin Chandler. I, I thought he looked really good on film. Um, I'm going to be interested to see what his height and weight is when he comes in. I know on uh, according to 247 Rivals, you know, he's like six foot, six one, 175 pounds. So he's not that big, uh, according to what they're, they're saying. But, but he had a really solid offer list for a wide receiver and really late bloomer, kind of bounced around in high schools and then just kind of broke out at William Amos Ho. I mean, that's a really big high school that he went crazy at and, and did some good stuff. So I think you look at his ball skills and he's a guy that, what there's got to be wider series that step up maybe it's him yeah I could definitely see that and you know he's kind of an underrated uh part of that class you know I know in terms of rankings if you're looking at your you know the Athlon magazine he's the last guy listed but I think he's kind of a steal uh or a gem in this class that Wisconsin just brought in and a guy that uh could certainly make an impact uh if if you really see you know what he's got because I, I remember watching his highlight tape after we talked about it uh on his commitment and I, I was kind of you know, I, I heard you raving about him a little bit, so I went and watched it a little closely, and I thought, man, okay, this guy might be a, a steal for the Badgers, a, you know, a diamond in the rough type player that maybe some other schools uh, just didn't get a good jump on or a good recruit on that the Badgers might have uh, picked away from some quality schools that way. All right, my next one, you know, we talked about the offensive line a little bit already uh, in that last question, but my question was going to be, who will be the five offensive line starters uh Come week five or week six, and what I mean is, of course, right now we've got an idea uh, in our heads of, of what it's going to be. You know, you look at left tackle, going to be Cole Van Lan. I don't think that's you know up for debate. You've got Seltzner, Lyles, Bruston Beach. Right now, those guys look to be the guys, but will will things move around? And who will be the consistent starters? You know, once we get into the season, week five and six, because there's there's always you know with Joe Rudolph he's he's willing to shuffle his line a little bit to get the best five on there and I think when you look at it coming into it right now the the five guys that we just listed off are the guys but will things you know change who will be the consistent guy at the consistent position is something that I'm looking forward to because when you have you have your five guys set in the position that they're in and of course you know injuries happen on the offensive line where that could make a difference too but that can make the running back position click when you don't have to move a lot of guys around and, and shuffle that way so who will be the five you know starters as we get into the season is something that I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing yeah I like that question because I think as as things stand we're pretty confident in who the starting five are going to be uh going into the season but we we do know that hey a guy like Logan Brown five-star kid if things really just click for him you never know he might be able to leapfrog somebody at either the guard or tackle position and we know that a guy like Caden Lyles is still coming off injury is he fully ready at, at uh to start the season or is he m- maybe more healthy when it comes to that five or six sixth game so I like that question and I think that's going to be something to definitely monitor most definitely. I, I think that'll be something that uh, will be important to play out as the season goes on. All right, let's do. You want to knock out one more, and then we'll uh, you know, we'll cut the, the listeners loose, and we'll do our college football one overall next week. Yeah, let's do that. Let's each do one more and kind of uh, ride it out on that. Perfect. Um, so I think for me, I've, I've I got a good chunk of of di- the different position battles that I'm excited by. But really what I, I look at isn't necessarily the position battles, but rather where you have a, a lot of different guys vying for playing time. And so 
I'm interested in specifically running back and at safety. I see – and in corner. So, like, in the secondary and at running back, who is it that emerges? Who is it that – that uh, is it, it gets the lion's share of, of the work? Because there is only only so many so many minutes in a game. And there's a lot of talented players in that secondary that have all shown that, hey, they deserve to play. Um, and Jim Leonard has said that, that there's guys that have shown that they're ready to play, and so he puts them in. But when it's crunch time, who is who is it that you're going to rely upon? I think we, we've seen some of that, but I think the safety position, cornerback position, and running back, there is a lot of talented options that bring different skill sets to the game that I think guys should be on the field, and how can they be creative to get all of those guys on the field at the same time or in, in multiple ways so that you can utilize their different skill sets to make the offense and the defense a little bit more multiple, add, add an extra dimension to the game plan that other teams have to figure out and try to, um, you know, contrastly game plan for. Yeah, I think that's a great question. You know, there's there's a lot of positions, like you kind of mentioned, that uh, could certainly see a few different faces in there. Uh, to see who kind of you know earns some of those reps is going to be interesting to see, and I think the two that you pointed out to safety and running back are going to be are going to be positions that are are key ones to this defense and offense, uh, and of course the overall scheme for the Badgers. And so I'm going to be really interested to see kind of how that plays out as well. All right, my final question is one that we've talked about a little bit already in terms of you know on the podcast we we've talked a lot about the wide receiver room, you know, Elvis Witted trying to find uh, his his guys that he's going to play and, and really make an impact. Uh, but for me, I think I want to know which guy is going to be the third receiver and which guy is going to maybe surprise us. I think if, if Kendrick Pryor and Danny Davis both have big seasons and things go well, I don't think anyone would be could, would consider that a surprise. So who is going to be a guy? You know, is it going to be Taj Mustafa? Is it going to be A.J. Abbott? Which guy? Or is it going to be you know an older guy like a Jack Dunn? Or an Adam Crumholz, which guy's going to be, you know, the the third receiver that maybe makes a bigger splash and surprises some of us? I think is going to be a question that I'm going to be closely paying attention to. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I like that one. I think I think as things stand, it's probably done in Crumholz as as kind of the other two guys. But but we know that Wisconsin likes to go deep in terms of their playing time. Uh, kind of to to piggyback on that, if who do you think if you had to take a a guess right now. I know you're a betting man. Who would you bet is going to be the uh, third highest yardage totaled wide receiver on the season? Because I'm assuming good, that Pryor and Davis are going to be your number ones. But who do you think, if you had to guess right now, is going to be that guy? I think, you know, I want to say Jack Dunn simply because I think Wisconsin can find ways to use him uh you know we've seen you know guys like that have success you know like an Alex Erickson type player in that role but I think as of late I've kind of been looking more at Adam Crumholz as being a guy that his athleticism is, is is not sneaky athletic I think everybody knows that he's athletic but we haven't seen a lot of it but I think he could be a guy that comes in a smart kid knows the offense knows the plays I think that's going to be important when you're when you don't have time to you know fully put in an offense, you're going to rely on some of those uh, older guys. Uh, I think Elvis Wooded thinks uh, Adam Crumholz and Dunn could both be guys uh, that they trust. But if I was putting money down, I'm going to put it on uh, Crumholz to be that third receiver that that really makes an impact. 
Yeah, I I think th- I think that's a good a, a good betting favorite just because I know that at least Ted Gilmore had said that he really wanted to get Pryor in the slot, which I think is a more natural spot for him, especially given his his quickness, his ability to to get in and out of routes, and his ability to go over the middle. I think it makes a lot of sense for him, and that would open up then Crumholtz to the outside or a guy like Mustafa or a guy like um, – um, AJ Abbott. So I, I, I'm I'm interested to see kind of how that unfolds, especially given the fact that there is a lot of young wide receivers that the Badgers have been looking for, and that the coaching staff has said, "Hey, we we want to see what they've got. We want to see what they got." And now with a new wide receivers coach, maybe they take a nice jump, or or you could see that those just it's just those primary four guys that uh, take on most of their receiving. But I think that's a really good question. I like that one from you. Yeah, I think that'll be all, all of these are going to be important ones uh, to pay attention to as the season goes on. So, all right, guys, well, that wraps up our questions. Uh, what we'd like to do is ask for you guys as listeners, go ahead and uh, give us your biggest questions that you have for the team uh, in this upcoming season. Go ahead and give us a comment on the uh, the podcast post on buckysforthquarter.com. Uh, uh, we like to, you know, engage in discussion, see what you guys think, see if there's anything that we missed uh, or thought of. So feel free to drop a comment on what you think are your biggest questions or concerns uh, for the team. Uh, we always appreciate you guys listening, so thank you guys for that. Uh, we'll be back with you later next week on Wisconsin. Thank you.